Now we come to the middle boundary. Verses 19 through 20 establish the middle boundary. And these verses deal with, you must not approach a woman in her menstrual impurity to have sexual intercourse with her. You must not have sexual intercourse with the wife of your fellow citizen to become clean with her. Now, that's in middle boundary. And you're like, wait a minute. Having sex with a woman on her menstrual period is like this really important middle boundary that God has established. Well, what he's basically saying is, is that if you're having sex with a woman on her period, that period makes you unclean, which means you can't enter the tabernacle, which means... You just basically said the most important thing to you right now is being sexually gratified. If you know that this thing is going to make you unclean, God's not saying right now that this is morally wrong, that you've committed some horrible, evil sin. And I don't even know if this is speaking today, because today this does not keep us from going to church. Okay? But right now what he's saying is that this thing does make you unclean at that time period. And this thing becoming unclean keeps you from entering the tabernacle, which means you can't come in the presence of God, which means if you're willing to miss out on the presence of God just because you want to have sex right now this week, then it really was just about your gratification. And so what does that look like today? There are things that basically God is saying, look, is this really truly about becoming one flesh with somebody? and connecting with them in a metaphysical way, or is this about your gratification? If it's about your gratification, then you become unclean. Now, I'm not saying it can't be, I mean, obviously sex between your wife and your husband or whatever should be gratifying in some way, because that's what connects you and makes it pleasurable. But at the same time, if you're willing to hurt things in your life, if you're willing to ruin other things in your life in order to get this at that moment, that's what God is saying. And so we can go through a whole list of other things. So does, this, does God have some rules against pornography and other things? No. There's nothing in there in the Bible about it. But does that fit into this list of do not make yourself unclean just for the sake of gratification? Yes. Do not just do sex for the sake of gratification rather than actually connecting to somebody. Yes. And in that way, God has forbidden any new way that the culture can come up with doing sex because what he specifically said is, is if this thing isn't about two people enjoying each other for the sake of becoming one with each other and it's really just about your gratification, then that's forbidden. Because if you begin to treat your relationships as merely your gratification, then are you going to have healthy relationships? No. And that's what God is saying, is that even though it may be technically legal to do it because now you're married, you can objectify your spouse. Even being married, you can still use them to get gratified. And you can still not be there to really, truly become one flesh with them. And I think we know that that we can still just make our marriage about sex. We can still make it about our gratification. And God is saying is if that's the way you're treating marriage, then you're going to fall apart. And that's going to affect everything else. Because once you begin to objectify things in your marriage, once you begin to objectify things in your family, then how hard will it be for you to objectify things outside of your marriage? 
not very hard. Does that kind of make sense? I mean, I know a lot of this is where, this is where we're kind of getting really abstract because I can't really point to really concrete things without like mentioning names or watching testimonies or that kind of stuff. But if you want examples of how this affects your marriage in a negative way, just go take any marriage class or any marriage ceremony. They'll give you plenty of testimonies of people who've done these kind of things and it's ruined their marriage in certain ways. So that's the inner, the middle boundary. Don't treat relationships merely for the sake of self-gratification. If you do that, you will have no real relationships with anybody and then you'll begin to fall apart and you'll begin to break down. Then we come to verses 21 through 23, and this is the outer boundary. And this outer boundary is, chapter 20, or verse 21, you must not give any of your children as an offering to Moloch, so that you do not profane the name of your God, I am Yahweh. You must not have sexual intercourse with a male, or as one who has sexual intercourse with a wo- woman, no homosexuality. It is a detestable act or an abomination. You must not have sexual intercourse with any animal to become defiled with it, and a woman must not stand before an animal to have sex intercourse with it, and it is a perversion. So three things, no homosexuality, no sacrificing children to the gods, and no sex with animals. Now the last one, you're like, seriously, you had to tell us that one. But yes, because this stuff was very common in the ancient world. In fact, it was a way of worshiping in the ancient world. And I told you this last week, right? The dreams, okay, I don't need to go into that again. <laughs> so, um, this is the one bad thing about being a Bible teacher. I'm not scared to talk about this kind of stuff, but that doesn't mean I enjoy talking about it every single year, four times with all my classes all the time. So after a while, I was just kind of like, okay, God, can't we just like learn this a different way? God is forbidding this. Why? Because this is the outer boundary. Now, for us, this may seem like, well... Isn't that just for gratification too? But it's different because now with the homosexuality in the ancient world and the bestiality and then the child sacrifice, these three things were more of acts of worship. Okay, The first one was more about how you're not supposed to have improper relationships with people in your family. The second one was more about just treating sex as gratification. The third one is worship. And so now we're saying that we're making improper connections with people for the sake of worship and improper connections with creation. So now we could say, well, technically my aunt and all that kind of stuff, that's God kind of designed a man and woman to come together. So what's wrong with that after all? Or really there's just a little blood in the menstrual cycle that's not like really horribly bad. But this one is now I'm taking things that don't belong together. A man and a man were never meant to belong to God, ever. No matter whether you were aunt, an uncle, or a distant relative, or just good friends, period. They were never meant to come together. A human and an animal were never meant to come together. And a child and a pagan God were never meant to come together. And so, and oftentimes children were offered up in some kind of a sexual ritual as well. And so Moloch is specifically mentioned. We know that Moloch was a god of the Moabites and other people, and he was a god that required child sacrifice. And so basically what you did is you would kill your kid and throw him in the fire. And if you did this, this would give you great blessings. There were three reasons that you would sacrifice your child. One, if he was the firstborn. You're required to offer up the firstborn of your child to the god. The minute he was born, you would offer him up. 
Two, if you want to win a victory in battle or some kind of great gift that you want. Um, when you get to Jephthah, or not Jephthah, Japheth, um, the book of Judges, he offers his daughter up as a sacrifice to win a battle and war. And when you get to Second Kings, the Moabite king offers up his son as a sacrifice to win a battle. So you want something really big that you think might be impossible to get, so you offer a sacrifice up. And the third reason is you want to build a city. And they would actually take a kid, sacrifice him, kill him, put him in a box, put the lid on the box, and bury that box in the ground, and that would become the cornerstone to the building. And that they believed that the God would somehow bless this building and protect it. And so when all these things, the bestiality was often done in worship services. The homosexuality was often done in worship service. The idea is that now you're taking things in creation and you're making them function in a way that God never, ever, ever intended them to function. And so one is you're doing what is natural, but you're having improper connection with your family member. The next thing is it's okay to have sex with your wife, but you're doing it at an improper time. Now the outer boundaries, you're taking things in creation that were never meant to be connected, and you're connecting them in proper ways. What's interesting is that that's exactly what we're seeing. The minute people begin to treat marriage about romance only and start getting married for the wrong reasons, then what did people do? They ended up leaving each other for the wrong reasons. Once that happened, once divorce started becoming, oh, wow, they're actually getting divorced. That's unheard of. And then it started becoming more common and more common and more common. And once people started going into marriage for the sake of romance and love and because it was all about them, and once they were in there, they realized marriage required work, and that person that was so attracted to them and did everything they wanted to do when they were dating cannot sustain that 24 hours. I mean, your dating relationship cannot be sustained. It can be sustained when you're with each other for a couple hours, and then you go home, and then you can be your real self. Okay, But it cannot be sustained 24 hours living with somebody, period. We know that. And then you realize, oh, wow, they're not the person I thought. No, they're not. They're real. They're human. And so you would leave them because they're not making you happy. Once you start treating family and marriages for the sake of making you happy, then that gave rise to everything for just self-gratification. The porn industry was able to gain a lot of money now. The strip clubs were able to gain a lot of money now. And a lot of things started gaining a lot of power and money because now that we treat our families this way and it didn't work for us, now we're going other places. Now that we've seen that sex and relationships have been completely redefined in America, what just happened the last couple of years? Homosexuality got legalized. Pedophilia is now going to get legalized. Bestiality is... Notice that the historical development of sex in America has followed exactly the outline of Leviticus. And so if you... Now, maybe back in the 1920s, you could say, I don't know. But now today, it is so obvious that when God says your inner boundary breaks down, the middle will follow. And if you don't stop the middle from following, the the outer will go. And that's exactly what we have seen happen in America. And now becomes the really big question of this century. How do we reestablish these boundaries? And I don't have the answer for that. I know I can do the best that I can as a teacher in a high school and hopefully convince kids 
that they should change their mind or their thinking about the way they think about things. But on a big corporate America level, how do we begin to reestablish these boundaries? Not in a legalistic regulating it with laws and consequences and fines, but a true heart change. I don't know. And that's what it's going to take the entire body of Christ coming together, answering that question. But if you don't understand why and how we've ended up here, then you're not going to know how to get back to what we lost. And if you don't know how that all happened too, and if you want resources, I've got lots of resources that will take you through history and show you. And it is things that you wouldn't even imagine. The Industrial Revolution was a big contributor to the breakdown of families and societies. It was not just sex all the time that ruined everything. It wasn't just taking prayer out of the schools either. The reality is it was so many different factors all throughout history, and a lot of people can point to that. And so now we're in hindsight looking back at these boundaries being broken. The question is, how do we get back there? But the first thing you must understand is that these three boundaries have to be reestablished. And so this is your goal. And a lot of Christians don't even know that this is even the goal because we don't read Leviticus. And that's what God is saying. And so some people will be gifted to fight it in the politics. Some people will be gifted to fight it in the family. Some people will be gifted to fight it in education, wherever it is. We all need to be working together. And this is what God is saying is now we can look at America and say, this is why things are not right. We've not treated things the way that they are. Now, once again, there are books upon books upon books and DVDs and videos that I can show you that will develop this in our culture more detail. Right now, I'm just dealing with the concepts, but it would take hours to actually show you how it developed throughout American history. Um, but it is worth doing. So God forbids this bestiality and all this kind of stuff. Um, first, because sacrifice to children seems out of place in the context. But if you're willing to kill your child, then there's something seriously wrong. <laughs> you're not protecting boundaries. Now, the other thing I need to say is this really quickly. It says that homosexuality is abomination or detestable. This has led many Christians to believe that God has some reason singled out homosexuality as a much greater worse sin than all others. Therefore, we have the right to condemn or hate those people who are doing it to a far greater degree than any other sin that is committed. And that is absolutely wrong for a couple reasons. One, if you really read the Bible, God calls all these sins an abomination. Read a little bit longer. Pay attention to the words that are being used. Abomination, detestable, horrific to God. He calls it all. Cheating your neighbor out of money is called an abomination to God. And it really drives me nuts when Christians say, but God called this an abomination. He calls it all an abomination. Right? So don't single out homosexuality as some worse sin compared to all the others. It's not. It's no different than any other sin. It really bothers me that we're somewhat okay with divorce in the church, but somehow we zero it in on homosexuality is a horrible, evil sin. The second thing is this. Homosexuality in the ancient world was more about domination and dominating other people for power. Homosexuality today is more about broken, dysfunctional, arrested development, confusion of identity. If you want to learn more about that, I've got resources on that one too to really help you understand that really what it is 
is that homosexuality back then was about, I'm better than you, and I'm going to dominate you to show you my power. Of course that's an abomination. But the homosexuality today, I'm not saying homosexuality today is okay. Don't edit or take me out of context. But the homosexuality today is more about somebody not getting what they needed when they were a child from their parents, and their development got arrested in some kind of way, and now they're getting it in the wrong way. Yes, can they do that in very prideful, broken, sinful, I don't care kind of ways? Yes. But most of them are deeply, deeply wounded and feel not loved and horribly rejected. And they're trying to get love the best way they know how. But because they didn't have a good, healthy family, they don't know how to get that in the right way. And the best thing you can do is not condemn them because it's exactly why they are the way they are. But to actually love them in an appropriate way. And that many people, I've heard many homosexuals say, I was loved out of homosexuality. That once they start getting loved in a healthy way, they begin to lose their natural attraction to other people of the same sex. That takes longer for different people. Not everybody is going to grow out of it as quickly as everybody else. That's true of anything. So the homosexuality is different today. And so, and here's the other reason, too. Homosexuals don't go to hell. Unredeemed people go to hell. And if you don't realize that Christ literally paid for every single sin that is ever committed, and the only sin that really condemns you to hell is a rejection of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, then you're not going to understand that the only people who go to hell are unredeemed people, period. And that when it comes to the heart and what we're doing to our families, homosexuality really in some ways is less destructive to a family than some other things that are happening in families that we often overlook or haven't made so political as we have that one. So I could say a lot more on that one, but this is not about homosexuality tonight. So, um, But remember that this is God is not singling it out. One of the other reasons that God forbids uniting yourself with an animal <laughs> um, is one that this lowers our image. Okay, you seriously degrade yourself and your value and your uniqueness by unifying yourself with an animal. An animal that cannot give back to you in any kind of a way. One, because it is not the image of God and it cannot partner with you in telling the truth about God and expanding his garden. So you've destroyed who God has created you theologically. And two, it cannot really partner with you in any kind of a meaningful family, emotional kind of connection way. And so by partnering yourself with an animal is a huge insult to God and whatever other person is in your life. And it's also a destroying of your own image and a devaluing of who you are as someone who is unique. Now, once again, you can kind of feel like, why do we have to talk about this? It's kind of obvious. If we don't have a revival in America, give us 20 years and it won't be obvious. Right now, you need to understand something. That bestiality porn websites are getting just as much hits as opposite sex porn sites in America right now. And so it is growing. It is growing. And bestiality is Many, many, many fraternities and sororities require some act of bestiality in order to be accepted into the fraternity or sorority. That's a very common thing happening right now. Some kind of a homosexual act or bestiality is now required to join most fraternities and sororities. And we know how many people join those. So it is a, 
a problem in America. Maybe not a socially accepted one yet, but it is a problem that does not, is not a duh anymore for us. Now, what are the consequences for doing this? The consequences for doing this is that God says the land will vomit you out. And that's a very graphic meaning that we know why we vomit. Because something is not right in us. And it begins to affect the way that you feel and everything. Okay, if you're sick enough, you're physically really in pain. You can't even enjoy the things that you normally enjoy. And you're incredibly uncomfortable as your body desperately tries to get out this horrible poison, this virus or whatever that is in your body. And until that happens, you can have no sense of normal anymore. And that's what God is saying, is if you as a culture practice these kind of things, you will begin to poison your life, you'll begin to poison your relationships, you'll begin to poison the land to such a point that you will make the land so sick that the land will want to vomit you out. You will be the virus, you will be the disease. And what that specifically looks like is exile. And that's eventually what happens to Israel as they go into exile. And so God says that on a physical level of what you feel like vomiting is what you're going to feel emotionally and relationally and spiritually if as a culture you begin to participate in these things. And I think we're beginning to feel that. How many of you barely can get through the news anymore? It is sickening. And we're beginning to feel that. And this is in the church, too. How many people are now coming into our churches and children coming into our schools that are living in families like this? There seems to be no sense of normal anymore, even in Christian families. And so God is saying, this is going to make you sick. And we all know that if you become spiritually or emotionally sick enough, you will eventually become physically sick as well. It'll affect everything. And so chapter 18, what God is really calling them to is, look, sex is not just sex. This is a very, very, very sacred thing that we need to protect. And we now live in a society that not only do we have a Bible that speaks into this, but we have so much psychological science that supports this now too. Even though people still live like the hippies, there's no book that supports the hippie movement anymore. <laughs> My favorite quote is from Ringo Starr, I think it was. You remember Ringo Starr, he was the Beatles? They promoted Satanism and sexual freedom and drugs and, uh, and anti-Jesus. They were like so anti-Jesus. Um, their manager said, I'm anti-Christ and I hate Christ. And the things that the Beatles say shock me. That was what he said in an interview. So basically, they, they introduced drugs, and they really thought that drugs would just liberate America. And Ringo Starr in the 1980s, late 80s, is in an interview, and um, Hyatt Ashbury, I don't know if you know about that, Hyatt Ashbury was where two streets intersected in San Francisco, and it the, was the drug capital of America. And it was really, the, um, America didn't make drugs illegal until like 19, was it 67? 66, 67, the summer of that. Um, LSD wasn't illegal, illegal until then. And so it was totally free to sell drugs and just pass out like candy. 
and they were all hippies and they were doing drugs and they were free and stuff. Well, in the 1980s, Ringo Starr's like, in his British accent, he's like, I went back to Hyatt Ashbury and I expected to see all these really groovy kids getting it on and just the, 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 a utopian society there. And all I saw was a bunch of drug addicts and broken families in the gutter. And it was heartbreaking. And I was like, duh. <laughs> I mean, thank goodness, you're not a dumb person. Really, it took you all this time to figure that out? And so that's what's kind of, now we can look back and realize this wasn't beneficial. And even the biggest champion of all these things that God was forbidding in an interview finally realizes in the 80s that what he was championing wasn't actually good. Wasn't good. So God forbids this. 